0: Yeah, g'day, mate. You're listening to a Radio 191 FM podcast. Hi. Hello. Welcome Welcome to to Required Required Reading. Reading. I'm Charlie. And I'm Amy.
1: And we are two unqualified Otago students.
0: And in this podcast, we discuss books, and sometimes their adaptations, mostly so we can avoid our uni work.
1: On this episode of Required Reading, we are talking about Emma and Northanger Abbey, Jane Austen's two greatest novels, We are talking about Jane Austen's interpretation of Gossip Girl. The wild, crusty, dusty men. And we are going on a gif hunt and we are not scared. Stay tuned to find out more. Amy? Yeah? I am so excited for this episode. I cannot wait. (sighs) Today... We are talking about the two best Austen novels.
0: In our opinion. Uh, Apart from all of the other ones, which I also love.
1: Yeah, they're all phenomenal, but these two are the best. And these two are
0: Emma. And Northanger Abbey.
1: (sighs) Classics. We're
0: really returning to our roots today, you know? Yes,
1: yes. We're yeah. going to
0: give you a full rundown of these novels. You probably won't read.
1: Yeah. But and you should. You don't need to. Also, Emma is a long uh, she's book. She's long. She is chonky. She's probably like 500 pages. And you know what? If classic books aren't really your thing, don't read them. Just listen to this. <laughs> What? I'm not going to say if you hate them, read them. Am I wrong?
0: It just sounds like that's the end of the podcast. Hi Thank and you welcome. for listening to a great reading. Don't read it.
1: Stop reading. No.
0: Like with Wuthering Heights, this is kind of an introduction and explanation. And if you want to go away and read it, then fantastic. But if you want to go right away and maybe watch one of the movies, also probably as good.
1: Yep. yep. And at the end of this, we're going to rank our Austin novels, not just, not so much in the order of our preference, but in the way that you should, you should approach read them. reading them. Yeah. Um, but we'll get more to that later. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the woman on everybody's lips. She is the moment. Now, come on now. Ladies and gentlemen. Her- Jane
0: Austen!
1: Oh. <laughs> Jane Austen. Yeah. <laughs> The biggest girl boss in history, quite frankly. She really, really
0: was. she was So she's writing at the end of the 18th century, so end of the Regency era. Yeah. Um, A lot of Empress waistlines, okay? A lot of bodices.
1: Huge Mm. amount.
0: Think Bridgerton, but not even slightly at all like Bridgerton.
1: That's a helpful comparison. (laughs) Um.
0: But like Bridgerton, Miss Miss Austen, she was the talk of the town, if you will. Yeah. And she was just such a sensational writer and had this kind of sharp wit that I don't think anybody else really had at the time. Yeah. And um, she wrote six novels that were published. published, And she also has a whole bunch of short stories that she wrote as a child. And all of the novels kind of deal with a lot of feminism in the late 18th century, um, talking about how women couldn't really inherit and that their entire financial lives were dependent upon getting married or having fathers that were kind or those kind of things and also she just loves to be a sassy bitch
1: yeah and i also think that like these sorts of romance novels you know in retrospect it's kind of like what's the point why are we focusing on such a small aspect of these people's lives mm-hmm. but at the time this was the only way that a woman could advance in society. Like, a yeah. woman couldn't get a really high-paying job and earn their own way to a massive estate. They had to marry. So marriage was the massive decision that yeah woman had to make, whereas men could make job decisions, financial decisions, as well as marriage decisions. So, yeah. you know, it's pretty important that she's focusing on a, on a woman's, at this time, mm-hmm. a woman's biggest decision in her life.
0: And I think... The other thing is that Jane Austen has such a clear voice and the way that she writes people and, and the observations she has of people are so current. Like, you pick up a Jane Austen novel and honestly it could have been written yesterday.
1: That is not true.
0: Well, yeah, there's no sex <laughs> on them, for one. Um, but no, but she, it, it's, it still is relevant, I think. They I, hold I up say.
1: remarkably well.
0: Yeah. Good one. <laughs> Um, the other thing to think about is that she, because she was a female no- novelist, she, like all female, female, oh my God. Like all, f- <laughs> like, all <the> femen- femen- <laughs> like all the female,
1: like all the female,
0: like all female no- novelists at the time, she had to publish all of her books anonymously. Mm. And it wasn't until quite a while after her death that her brother kind of took back Jane's name and said, well, actually my sister Jane wrote these books. Um yeah. Stan him, what a king.
1: <laughs> what a king. And, like, I just always think that those sorts of stories are so sad. Like, she'll actually never know the impact that she's had. And the f- the fact that so many people, mm. like, what, t- almost 200 years later, yeah. still her name is brought up all the time. I talk about everybody it knows, every day. But everybody knows yep. who she is. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, she never understood the impact that her writing would have on the entire See, world. I
0: think she probably did. She had great main character energy and she was so sassy and I think... And she couldn't... She literally just could not be stopped by anyone. So I like to think that she did know what she was doing. But she probably didn't. And She
1: could be stopped by, like, bronchitis or whatever. She, killed she,
0: oh! <gasps> you are right, though. She did die a penis. Spinster. <laughs> <laughs> um, because we're obviously, like, so incredibly tired and tight. We, we're, we're just struggling to um, articulate. Um, yeah,
1: I... I had have I even been speaking and so I'm far? Feeling I'm not shy, sure. So. We're feeling shy. so we need to start with
0: <laughs> a fun fact.
1: We need to have a fun fact to yeah. really warm us up. So I wanted to talk about one of the books that we're talking about today, mm-hmm. uh, Northanger Abbey. And there is actually a spin-off. A spin-off what? a spin-off modern teen version of Northanger Abbey called Northanger Alibi. <sighs> and uh Catherine, the main character in Northanger Abbey. Instead of her obsession with gothic novels, she instead has an obsession with the Twilight series.
0: Oh, don't we all?
1: And quite frankly, stop it. <laughs> and I don't like it.
0: Is this a book? Or it's is a book. It? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And it's a book. kind of like the Lizzie Bennet Diaries on YouTube. Did you watch those? No. So you know you know John Green? Yeah. You know his brother Hank Green? Yeah. He produced a youtube series called the lizzie bennett diaries and and it's literally just vlogs from lizzie bennett's point of view retelling the entire i didn't even know i knew this this is coming out of the depths of my brain is this true yeah
1: that sounds really interesting
0: um and it's a lot of how people in the early 2000s consumed pride and prejudice was through these um video diaries. i watched a lot of video essays haven't seen any of the episodes myself.
1: We can watch them later. Okay. At the flap. Um, okay. Amy, what is your fun fact?
0: My fun fact. It's not that fun. I've done this is two weeks in a row. That I've, <laughs> you've seen what's your fun fact, and I've gone. Oh well, it's a sad fact.
1: So once again, just a fact.
0: Yeah, just a fact. Okay. So Jane Austen, she writes about love, but she never married herself. She did have two really great loves. The first one was with a man called Tom, and was served as quite a lot of her inspiration for sense and sensibility but um jane realized that if she got married to him he'd lose all of his inheritance and so she said i gotta i love you so i gotta let you go mm-hmm. what a queen uh also sad though and then the second young man um died before he could propose so <laughs> that's my fun fact oh i feel really bad
1: <laughs> oh that was nice Oh, my God. Um, okay. Oh, my God. Important context to the stories, though. All right, so let's just jump in. Let's jump in with our first Mm -hmm. book of the day. We're talking about... Emma. Emma. Major spoiler... (laughs) Whoa. Major spoiler alert. We are about to break down the entire plot of the book. But to be honest... Not a massively plot-driven book.
0: No, and it's kind of gossipy, so you'll probably really enjoy it.
1: Yeah, and if if like what we go through right now mm-hmm. resonates with you, if the characters sound interesting, you spend so much time with these characters. You really yeah. get to know every single one of them so well over the yeah. course of the novel. So just go give it a read. It's so good. Okay, so okay. Amy... Let's begin.
0: So first, we got to understand our heroine Emma. She's a bougie girl boss with attitude. <laughs> I stand by that. Okay. So she's living it up in Hartfield, which is this really beautiful, gorgeous giant estate, um, because she's an heiress to her father's enormous wealth. Mm-hmm. Wealth.
1: Wealth. <laughs> in <a> love island.
0: <laughs> wealth. 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 Yep. Exactly. <laughs> um, Emma is quick-witted and very bored And she's, t- to be honest, she's a bit of a bitch Oh, she's um, a
1: total bitch
0: And we, like, we love we, to We see love it. her for it The novel opens with a wedding And Emma is upset because the person getting married is her best BFF forever Miss Taylor, okay She's marrying Mr. Weston, who's another rich man Mr. Weston has a son called Frank Churchill. Emma's never met him, but she has a big crush on him and thinks about him all the time. And she thinks that they could be perfect together because they're both uh, rich and beautiful. Um,
1: <laughs> pretty, pretty logical and sound reasoning right there.
0: Yeah. Um, I get it. <laughs> I want to retract that. I don't get it. Um, so Emma's at the wedding and she's hoping that Frank will be there. Uh, he is not. No. He'll come back later though, don't worry. Um, so she goes home with her father and she decides that actually she's probably the best matchmaker known to man because she was the one that set up Miss Taylor and Mr. Weston.
1: I love that energy of getting one thing right and yep. going, oh, I am literally the best in the world at this skill. Seriously. L- literally
0: one thing right. and She didn't even really have to do, do, do anything. She didn't really do so it. No, she literally was just like, hey... And that was it. She didn't do it.
1: Yeah. Also, it's a tiny town. It's not like it would be particularly difficult to meet everyone.
0: Yeah, no. But she... So she decides it is her life. That she is. is the best. She is the best matchmaker. Um, she wants to be Cupid. So then we're introduced to Emma's brother-in-law, Mr. Knightley. I love Mr. Knightley. He's big vibes. He thinks that Emma is silly and spoiled. And she, she is. is. <laughs> yeah. But Knightley has a huge soft spot for her and believes that deep down she's actually a really nice and kind person. Um, he also loves her dad, Mr. Woodhouse, and honestly, same because he's super quirky.
1: Um, kind of everyone loves Mr. Woodhouse though.
0: He's a crazy hypochondriac, and he's yeah. always really worried that he's dying, and he's just not. Um,
1: everybody makes a huge fuss about him everywhere they go,
0: and every time that he comes up in the book, he does have like a, a long spiel about how good gruel is for a person. It's never really explained what gruel he's, he's talking of, but I, I assume some kind of porridge or rice congee.
1: Gruel, the food? Yeah. Like grits. Like
0: grits? Oh, like a polenta.
1: Like a polenta. Or a semolina. Yes. That's kind of more the envision that I had for it. <laughs> Let's
0: not do the rest of the podcast. Let's just <laughs> think of more gruels. We're also introduced to Miss Bates. She's an old spinster and she lives with her mother. She lives and takes care of her mother, Mrs. Bates both of them used to be rich but because neither of them are married cuz Mrs Bates's husband has died and Miss Bates is a spinster they've fallen from the wealth that they're accustomed to um, and they're living a very simple life but they're they're just friends they've got friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> well they they still are good friends with all of the, the people wealthy that, yeah. people in the town because they used to be wealthy and it's yeah. kind of like assumed they will get back there someday not them particularly but the family yeah the exactly. family will build themselves they'll recover and
0: um, they're nice people they're lovely people and they're they're kind of part of the set of friends this is kind of like this book is kind of it's, like kind of, a, it's kind of it's a of friend. It's Friends. It is it's Friends. It's Friends before
1: Friends even knew that it friends was Friends. Friends in
0: the Regency era. I did not I don't know that it. Friends
1: was based off Emma. <laughs>
0: Seriously. <laughs> You've
1: it. heard of Clueless. <laughs> You've heard
0: it here first. Friends is actually Emma. Yeah. Um,
1: Who would be Emma in Friends?
0: Rachel. Monica. <gasps> oh my God. What is your reasoning?
1: Because I feel like Monica is, I mean, Rachel is the main character, but is that because it's Rachel or is that because it's um, Jennifer Aniston?
0: Rachel's not the main character. Who's the main character? Oh. <laughs> Phoebe Buffet. Oh,
1: so true. <laughs> okay. Phoebe is Miss Phoebe and
0: Joey. There's only people like that. We're talking about this. I don't really like Friends. I have a lot of issues with it. I'd love to talk about it, but we don't have time.
2: Anyway. I hate Ross. But... <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, continue, continue.
0: Okay. <laughs> so it's after the wedding. We've met all of these other characters, and yep. Emma makes a new friend called Harriet Smith, and she lives... A boarding house for natural born daughters. I thought this was really weird the first time I bought it. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought this was really weird the first time I read it because I was like, what's a natural born daughter? Like,
2: aren't they all naturally naturally born? born?"
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, it seems really arbitrary to be segregating people that are uh, caesarean births and and vaginal deliveries. Yes. Um, But then I thought, I don't even, did they have caesarean then? No, I'm pretty sure people just died somebody fact-checked that for me <laughs> but I found out hence uh, that natural-born child is a child that's born out of wedlock mm. and so there would be children born out of wedlock either to people who were married with uh, to other people or weren't married at all or um, that kind of thing and and the family still wanted to care for these children and they would send them to a boarding house where they would have education and um, like looking after until they were like reached Eight, like, being of age, being mm. 18, and then they'd find out, like, who they were. Anyway. So, so, like, an orphanage. Yeah, but but the orphanage knows who they belong to.
1: It's like a boarding school.
0: Yeah, I said that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I zoned so, out for a second there, sorry. Harriet
0: is a natural-born daughter yeah. at one of these schools, yeah. and it's not clear, like, who she is, but Emma thinks that she's probably nobility like her. Um, she goes, you seem nice. You're probably rich and Rich and cool like me. Yeah. Which is so annoying of Emma. We love her though. And during this time, Emma just keeps dreaming about Frank coming to marry her and she kind of talks about it with Harriet. But her main thing that she wants to do right now is she's like, Harriet is the perfect fit for my matchmaking scheme. Um, And so she, so Harriet has this man that's in love with her, uh, Mr. Martin, and he could give her like a really happy, comfortable life. Emma says, Harriet, you're too good for this man. And Harriet goes, okay, that sounds probably, that's probably true. But Mr. Knightley, who's also known as best bro ever, is like, Emma, that's so stupid. Mr. Martin is lovely. And he's like, actually an absolute catch. And you're being silly. And Emma tells him to shut Mm. up. Yeah. So instead, Emma is like, Mr. Elton, what about him? So Mr. Elton is a clergyman, which, again, I didn't really know what that was. Like a priest. Like a priest. Or religious pastor. person. He's a what religious A ravioli. <laughs> so Mr. Elton, a ravioli. <laughs> um seems like the perfect fit for Harriet because little does Emma know Mr. Elton's actually in love with Emma. Mm. And so Emma, Harriet, and Mr. Elton spend a whole lot of time together. Mr. Elton keeps trying to like win Emma's love and favour, and Emma's like, oh my god, wow, you're so lovely. It's so nice, you're in love with my friend. It's kind of awkward and Harriet's like I love him.
1: <laughs> well, Harriet is just very persuadable.
0: Well, she's naive.
1: She she very quickly she jumps on any train that's given to her. So Emma's like don't you like Mr. Elton? And she and goes like, yes, mm-hmm. I'm in love with him. Yeah. And then well, she, and, and then Emma goes you know the next I don't know. She
0: just sees the best intentions in everybody and she's like she's trusting Emma because she thinks Emma's like this really good person and everybody in the community loves Emma. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: um, she's like, she's very
1: well respected.
0: Exactly. And so when Mr. Elton proposes to Emma, Emma and Harriet are like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah. What is this about? And Harriet is heartbroken. And Mr. Elton, because he's a slimy social climber is like, Ooh, I can't marry Harriet. I don't know who she is.
1: And then he runs away. <laughs> and
0: then he does run away.
1: <laughs> he runs off to a different town. Does yeah. he off to Bath?
0: Yeah, of course Probably. he does.
1: Probably. Bath is also where Jane Austen lived.
0: I'd love to go to Bath. I think about it all the time. Whenever I'm like struggling in uni, I'm like, I need to have a, like, a holiday to Bath for I some mean, rest and respite.
1: Okay, so, Mr. Elton, he's left. He's fucked off. Maybe to Bath, maybe somewhere else. Honestly, can't remember. Doesn't matter. He's irrelevant. He's irrelevant now. But do you know what happens next? Frank Churchill, the man that Emma has been mm-hmm. thinking about, he arrives in Hartfield and he is as handsome and charismatic as Emma wished had he dreamed was. And, yep. and wished he was. He's kind of exactly who Emma thinks a real man is. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yeah. And everyone loves him. Everyone's Everybody like loves him. everyone's like, we love Frank Churchill, yep. except Mr. Except
0: Knightley. Mr.
1: Knightley. Mr Knightley says Hold up one second on this day. Something seems awry. Can't tell you what it is. Something is wrong.
0: Something, mm. Something
1: is awry, not a Chia barter. <laughs> that was so oh
0: funny. <laughs> i so off the cuff.
1: Thank you. Okay. And you
0: laughed as though you didn't realise you were making the joke. <laughs> I know.
1: Sometimes that happens. Okay. <clears throat> so Frank is unable to see his father often. So his father being Mr. Mr. Weston, Weston, who... Miss Taylor, now Mrs. Weston, we just married. And we love
0: Mr. Weston. He is such a kind soul. That whole... That couple? Dream team. Yeah.
1: Beautiful couple. Love them. Anyway. But mostly because his aunt is extremely controlling and she's sick all the time and that's who Frank lives with. The so, important
0: thing to like note is so... His aunt and uncle... They're really rich themselves, yeah. but they don't have any children. Yes. And so they have essentially adopted Frank from Mr. Weston yeah. when Mrs. Weston the first died and said, We'll, we'll adopt Frank and, and he'll be our heir. And yeah. so Frank is in line to, to inherit all of this wealth. And that's why his aunt and uncle have control over him. And that's also why he doesn't live with his dad.
1: Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that context. Yeah. I actually don't remember that. Because oh, I remember okay. when I was I was sort of thinking about it, I was like, why does Frank live with this <laughs> <laughs> the uncle and auntie and I was just planning on not mentioning it. No, so um <laughs>
0: Yeah. So Mr Weston wasn't originally wealthy, but he right. married he married the aunt and uncle's sister, you know? Yeah. And she was wealthy. And then she died And he actually still didn't have any money. Gotcha. And so they said, we'll get. And then independently, Frank has grown up. Now he's an adult. And Mr. Weston has made his own fortune.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's all making sense that they're not so connecting. But the most important thing is that Frank Churchill is in Hartfield and he's hot. (laughs) and Everyone (laughs) loves him. Okay. And eventually, Emma Emma and Frank, they start hanging out. And Mm -hmm. Emma goes, hold up one second right here on this day. (laughs) Frank, you are flirting with me. She doesn't say that. Well, she almost does, though. She almost does. And um, she initially plans to, she's like, no, I'm going to nip this in the bud. I can't Mm -hmm. be with Frank. Yeah. But secretly, she's She's like, like, "Mm -hmm." I love this. (laughs) (laughs) And then Hartfield is shaken by another newcomer to the town. Not Hartfield. Where do they live? Highbury. 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 Emma a fictional lives at Heart- town.
0: Hartfield in Ex- Highbury. Yeah, I can see Hartfield in Highbury. Saying,
1: um, another new arrival in Jane Fairfax, yeah. who is Miss Bates' beautiful niece, and she's literally like the better version of Emma. Yep. That's slightly less wealthy. Yep. She's better at piano. She's more beautiful. Mm-hmm. She is kinder. Mm-hmm. She's just lovely. And again. Everyone loves her, except this time, Emma.
0: Something to note about Jane is that Emma has been hearing about Jane her entire life. And it's always like, Jane did this, Jane did that, Jane did blah, 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 blah. Jane's so nice and kind, and she's not a bitch like you. And Emma's like, fucking hate Jane. Yeah. Also, the other thing to note is that Jane, beautiful, amazing, fantastic character, also Jane Austen's name. I love, and this happens in almost every book. There's a character that is like in Pride and Prejudice. Um, the oldest Bennett sister is is beautiful and kind and lovely, and everybody loves her, and she's the best person that ever existed. And Jane Austen said, "What should I call her, Jane?" Jane. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue.
1: Honestly, love that sort of energy from her. I yeah. would do the same thing. <laughs> so Mister Knightley disagrees with Emma because Emma's Emma's like. I fucking hate Jane. There's something about her. Don't know what it is. Just fucking hate her. And Mr Knightley goes, hold on. You need to be nicer to Jane because she is a whole lot more povo than you are, Emma. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to reword that. He says, Emma, you have to be nicer to Jane because she does not come from a wealthy family Mm -hmm. like you do. Okay? And this defense leads to Mrs. Weston to think, hold up.
0: Hold, Hold a second. Up.
1: <laughs> You're defending Jane, therefore you love her. You love her, Mr. Mm-hmm. Knightley. You love you Jane. Love You're her. in love with her, yeah. Because that's the obvious conclusion to make.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, while everyone just. Assumes, accepts it, accepts this, accepts this. They also accept that Frank and Emma Mm -hmm. are also falling deeply in love,
0: forming a connection. Their connection is very. They go to lots of parties together, and they're very snide. You know, yeah. And like Frank is like, Jane, what a silly fop! Like, oh, her hair looks stupid, and Emma's like,
1: (laughs) yeah. And they also just see each other like every day. It's very, it's It's very very flirty. flirty. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> okay, but eventually Emma goes Enough of that Enough of it Stop it And she goes I'm, I'm seriously going to cut this out She talks to Frank and she goes I'm done I'm done This is it this is, We've got to stop this mm-hmm. And she goes back to her matchmaking ways And she says I'm going to set you up with Harriet Again, doesn't say that Thinks it mm-hmm. So this connection between Harriet and Frank is strengthened when Frank saves Harriet from... Now, I'm going to use the term from the book here, not something that modern-day people should be using, mm-hmm. uh, as it is a slur, yep. but he saves her from gypsies, and Harriet says that she has fallen in love with someone.
0: Because there's, so there was a ball that night, and there was dancing.
1: There was dancing. There's been dancing. And so there's just a lot of mystery in the air. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of love, but it's kind and, of... Where is it coming from? Yeah. Where is it going? Where did it come from? Cotton Eye Joeing. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. I hated that. that was I was too confident. So we've got we've got all of <laughs> these feelings, these emotions. They're brewing, yeah. And they kind of come to fruition in one of the most famous scenes in Emma, um, where they all go. The entire on a picnic. kind of set
0: of friends have yeah. gone on a picnic. Picnic.
1: Exactly. The cast and crew of characters. They go off on a picnic to like.
0: Hanging something. And, um... It's one of... So it's one of Mr. Knightley's properties. Yes. One of and his many. They're out on this beautiful hill, and there's, like, carpets and, like, pillows and lovely food, and they're all, like, yummy.
1: And they're like, what a splendid day. It's what a very solar day. power vibes. It's very, like, you know what they're what I mean? just enjoying the sun, like, they're enjoying nature. If it was
0: set now, they would be on Waiheke Island with an Aperol Spritz with Lord playing in the background, you know what I mean?
1: Exactly. Um... And so what happens is Emma is really feeling her oats at this time. She she is going. Everybody loves me. Yeah. Everybody has a crush on me. Everybody wants to be my friend. I'm I so funny. I'm the boss. I'm so
0: lovely. Yeah. I'm
1: the best. Yeah. And during the conversation at this picnic, she insults Miss Bates. Now let me say, Miss Bates. She, she
0: should is be protected
1: at all costs. She, she should be protected at all costs. She is lovely. Doesn't mm-hmm. have a, a mean bone in her body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The only thing is that she talks quite a lot yep. and this is a this is an irritant to mm-hmm. particularly emma but everyone else is like don't harm miss bates she's an angel anyway so she insults miss bates when she's at this picnic and everyone turns against emma she, they all she say, basically no
0: to give context to what she says that is so offensive is that emma's pretty much like they're kind of Emma and Frank are kind of joking and Frank's being like I'm so funny and witty and whatever and like we should play this game when we have to talk about things and Emma's kind of like well oh, hey Miss Bates you're a stupid bitch that's the vibe you know what I mean Yeah It's not even that she's just like you're incredibly boring the, the And then v- she's like mm-hmm.
1: the the vibe is like Miss Bates, you should never talk, ever.
0: Yeah, yeah you that, should, you're you right. should yep.
1: literally never speak. That is basically what she <laughs> yep. said. Don't articulate like, ever again. She's like, "What? Yep. you've never said anything worth listening to. That is basically the insult that she and said. And she kind
0: of says it in a way that's like she expects it to be funny and it falls flat. Yes. We've all been there.
1: It's uncomfortable. Anyway, so fast forward. Yeah. Fast forward. Frank's aunt dies. So mm-hmm. the aunt that was sort of keeping Frank at bay and yeah. it is revealed that frank shockingly frank is not in love with emma never has all. been never will be also isn't in love with harriet in fact he has been engaged to jane fairfax the, the entire, entire time. time the entire the entire time that they have been at highbury yeah got it. the right one that time the entire time they're both jane And Frank has been a hybrid. They've been engaged.
0: And the entire time, he's been like, Jane's such a silly person. Like, "Ah, yuck. Like, he has been...
1: And flirting with... Yeah. He even admits that he's like, yeah, sorry for flirting with you, lol. He's like, (laughs) haha,
0: I was just curious. JK, JK. um, JK, just kidding. Just...
1: Literally. I love
0: Jane and I hate you.
1: Yeah. And Emma is rightfully pretty Mm -hmm. insulted and she feels very used. Yeah. Um...
0: And that he led also, her to believe
1: that he was in love with her. She's
0: also upset with herself because she's kind of, she's been thinking that Harriet's in love with Frank and she's been trying to set them up. Yeah. And she's like, oh, no, not again. I've set up Harriet with a man who um, is in love with someone else. And so she's really upset. Um, but then there's a complicating factor.
1: Yeah, because she goes, she goes to Harriet and she says, mm-hmm. hey, listen, listen, bub. Frank has engaged with Jane. And Harriet mm-hmm. goes, couldn't care less. I'm in love with Mr. Knightley. And
0: Emma's like, what? And she's also a little upset.
1: And she goes, she's she's sort of really unnecessarily upset about mm-hmm. this. And she goes, why am I so upset? And she like, goes, I don't Hold understand. On. It's because I I'm am in love with also him. in love with Mr. Knightley.
0: And so then there's this kind of like tussle where Emma's like, I can't do this to Harriet again. Cause Emma's kind of had this, she's been really mean to Mrs. Miss Bates. And she's also like come around and realize that she was being mean. And, and Mr. Knightley is the one that scolds her about that. And is like, this woman has loved you since the day that you were born yeah. and you can't treat her like this. Yeah. And Emma is very much like defensive and like, Oh, well, I was just being funny. But then, but she also agrees. And, so she's she's kind of thinking a lot about Mr. Knightley and there was some dancing at the ball, there was some touching of hands, very sexy, you know? Yeah. But Emma is like, I've already been a bad person, I'm trying to be a better person, so I won't get in the way of Harriet.
1: Yeah, and she feels like she knows that she's been messing mm-hmm. with Harriet a lot. I mean, she mm-hmm. convinced Harriet to not get engaged at the beginning of the book, yep. convinced her that Mr. Elton was in love with her, convinced her that Frank was in love with her. Mm-hmm. You know, like all of these things. Yeah. And she just like... I just need to stop. Yeah, but Mister Knightley goes, "Listen, Emma, I'm in love with you. Yeah, not Harriet." <laughs> and Harriet goes, "Nah, all good. I'm just going to go I'm get married get back to the back guy. To Mr. <laughs> I'm just going to go get married to the guy at the beginning. But is that it, all good?
0: Well, also she kind of is like, maybe I wasn't in love with all of these people. Emma told me to be in love with.
1: Yeah, she. And actually, she's like,
0: I actually do really like Miss Martin.
1: She she really liked Mr. Martin at the beginning, and you know what? Good on you. Happy endings all round.
0: A classic Jane Austen ending. Yeah. Everyone's getting married. Everyone's happy.
1: Everyone's happy. And everybody forgives Frank and Jane. And Jane and Emma kind of have this scene where they reconcile their differences. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, you're actually, like, not a bitch.
0: Yeah. It's a (laughs) very kind of, like, women supporting women. We're both girl bosses. Let's um, support each other. Push each other to the top, you know?
1: Like, we're both talented. Let's just be talented together. Yeah. Um <laughs> so that kind of concludes the plot of Emma. Yeah. Not a, you wouldn't list, listening to that plot, you wouldn't go, "Yeah, that's a 500 to 550 page book." But you'd be wrong. Yep. You would be wrong because there are so many little scenes in there that mm-hmm. we've missed out that have added to the nuances of all of the character dynamics and mm-hmm. make all of those relationships that we just talked about. Really quite believable. Yeah. Okay, so I would say that one of my favourite aspects Mm -hmm. of Emma is... So Highbury is a fictional town, right? Yeah. But the amount that I felt that I was just enveloped and I literally lived in this town and I knew everybody that yeah, lived there. Yeah, definitely. And every character had such a distinct voice, had such yep. has such distinct characteristics. They're mm-hmm. all so memorable. Yeah. And I just think that's probably one of my favorite bits about this book. Like it is very yeah. it's very slow moving. There's not a whole lot of plot, but it's just
0: Well, it's the the thing is is that every character is three-dimensional. Yeah. You exactly. know, it's not just that it's not just a story about Emma. It's almost not even about Emma. It's about the small town and how these people interact with each other and the kind of like social politics and stuff like that. And I think it's totally, it's it's very realistic.
1: Yeah. And the limitations of sort of, in those times, you can't just travel to wherever you want. No, so you, you're
0: incredibly close to the people that you live with.
1: And you're like, these are the people, one of these people I should be marrying.
0: Does that mean I have to marry someone who lives in Timor? <laughs>
1: No girly.
0: No. You can bake free.
1: You can you can marry someone in Dunedin.
0: Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and on that note. Uh moving on.
1: Thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I also need to talk about something. Yeah. I I think Emma Woodhouse,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the main character
0: Oh, I know what you're gonna say and I don't agree.
1: Is asexual. <sighs> and here okay. is my argument. Okay, so Basically, before I'm going we, to ignore... Before
0: we get to the argument, I think we can both agree that she's not straight.
1: She is absolutely not straight, and I'm going to present that argument first. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically we're going to ignore the last little bit, because I'm just going to assume that people put it in because these sorts of issues weren't really being raised at the time. Mm. So we're looking at the at the pre-climax, Emma. Yeah. Does that make sense? Climax. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> not when I'm talking about asexuality, Okay. Anyway, um, okay, so Emma constantly throughout the entire novel Mm -hmm. is shown to have this deep fascination with other people's relationships Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of setting them up, in terms of their dynamics, Mm -hmm. how they work. She's very interested in them, Yeah, but she also is very removed from that. Mm -hmm. She never sees herself... Is getting into a relationship. And yes, she's got that justification of like, no, I need to look after my father. Yeah. But she never even, like, she when she. She daydreams about Frank, though.
0: Well, but she like, kind of.
1: Frank. She daydreams about Frank. <laughs> but even, but even when, like, yeah, she does, but also she rebuts him. And the mm. second that she meets him and she's like, oh my gosh, you're flirting with me. I need to cut that out because I'm not interested. You know, like, it's those sorts of things. Like, she never shows any interest in anybody.
0: See, my take on it is that she's actually a disastrous bisexual, and she's in love with both Jane and Harriet.
1: would they make her a lesbian?
0: No, but then Mr. Knightley has such bi-wife energy, you know? Oh, right. You know what I mean?
1: Right, right, I see. What's your argument? I need an argument.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I think that she's, like, really... She's really obsessed with Harriet, and she talks about how pretty and awesome and funny and nice she is all the time. Like, it's it's all throughout the book. And then the... For all of the same reasons is why she's kind of jealous of Jane because she's like, and this is not me that just thinks this. Reddit agrees with me. I'll get to that later.
1: I just just think that all of those points actually strengthens my idea. Um,
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know if we're going to get anywhere.
1: Basically. And
0: your point was that she's never really had an attachment to anyone.
1: A sexual attachment, no. But the point is, there's just no way that Emma is straight. Yeah. Okay. And just when I was reading her, we'll not I be actually, taking
0: comments at this time.
1: No, in fact, I'm done. Let's move on. We encourage
0: um, queer discourse. Okay. Yes. But if any of you straights come and tell
1: us, <laughs> <laughs> if you if any of you straights come, sl- slide into our DMs and try to tell us that Emma is straight, none of that. You'll be blocked. <laughs> blocked, and you won't be able to see. So aggressive. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Oh, yeah, that's good <laughs> I guess another thing that we need to talk about
0: mm.
1: is the critique that it exists in all Austen novels, yeah. But in this one, it particularly focuses on mm-hmm. small town class differences, yeah, and her critique of mm-hmm. the mega rich and famous,
0: yeah. Um, I totally agree. And you, in our notes, Charlie wrote subtle critique, and I just don't think it's even subtle, like. At the end of the book, and we don't stand Emma for this, Harriet goes and marries like Mr. Martin and Emma's like, I'm so happy for you, but I also can't ever talk to you again. Do you remember that? Yeah. She's literally like, So happy you're happy, girl. Girl Busley. Um, I will not gonna talk again. to you ever again because it's like revealed that that um Harriet's the the daughter of a merchant. So she her, her father's wealthy but he he's not noble he's not yeah. he's not ultra wealthy like the rest of them and Emma goes no no none of that. Um and so I think that's really telling that it's you know these higher class figures are, are you know keen to be nice to people that are poorer but at, when it comes to it Emma doesn't feel like she should associate with someone that's poorer than her by that much you know. And I also think that Emma's a really interesting character for Jane to use, Jane Austen that is, because um, she is a woman of means and she is an heiress and so she has the freedom to choose who she's going to marry Mm -hmm. and she has this freedom to set up people because it's actually not a worry for her, and I think that that's a, a bold kind of character to have because it's so unusual.
1: Yeah, I think I think when I say that it's a subtle critique, I'm not saying that it's a subtle critique in the grand scheme yeah. of literature. I'm saying it's a subtle critique in the term terms of what Austen has written. Because I think that in some of her other books, for example, mm-hmm. a book we're literally going to be talking about later on in this episode, yep. she it's overt. Every single rich character mm-hmm. is an asshole. Yeah, true. You know, like, point. they're all evil. You're supposed to despise them. They have basically no redeeming qualities. Whereas, you definitely sympathise with many of the upper class here.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know,
1: and it is. I wouldn't say it's, like, vilified. Mm. It sounds like a very glamorous, nice lifestyle. But then at the same time, yeah. she really said, they're poisonous bitches. <laughs> you know? Like... Like, they are nice, but they're also poison.
0: But that's part of, like, why, on a different topic, segue, um, that's part of why we love Emma as a character. You know, she is not the stock standard female character that we're used to, especially in classics. She is not, like, uh, typically a good person. She is multifaceted. She is, she has negative personality traits. And a lot of them. And a lot of them. And like, she's
1: not a very good person.
0: She's, but she's. That's what makes her kind of real. Yes, you know exactly.
1: I've, and like, I I've, think I've she's met
0: a, Emma's, you know,
1: I've the met Emma's call. too. I've
0: met I Emma in I went to school with
1: at least three of them, <laughs> and, and I just Emma is, in my opinion, Austin's best heroine.
0: Mm, I would have to agree. Close second, Elizabeth Bennet.
1: Yeah, I mean that is true. But, I think
0: another interesting thing with Emma is that. Austin, like, writes her so well that by the middle of the book, when all of this kind of conflict is happening, we've kind of seen Emma in this good light. And we're, like, on her side, like, so completely. And then this thing with Miss Bates happens and the kind of mix-up with Harriet and all of these kind of things. And by the end of the book, I found myself kind of questioning, like, have I actually seen what has happened? Or have I kind of seen Emma's version of it?
1: Yeah, she's a ve- she's very much an unreliable narrator,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Well, she's, she's not the narrator. Well, person, she's but not. We'll but, get to that. But
1: also, like, you do get a lot of her opinions. You do, yeah. You know, and that is also, that's a lot of the way that you look at the events mm-hmm. in the book, is it's like, Emma thought this, Emma thought that, Emma thought that. It was very clear that Frank was flirting with Harriet at this time, you know, and, like, that's kind of the way that you're looking at it, which is why the plot twist works so well.
0: Exactly. So, who's your favourite character?
1: I think my favourite character has got to be, oh, Harriet. Yeah. I love her. I think she's just so...
0: She's like a puppy. She is like a puppy. She's so sweet, so
1: lovely, and just so kind, so forgiving as Mm -hmm. well, and just... She's just great. Yeah. She is the best, best friend ever. So supportive.
0: Yeah. She's too good for Emma.
1: She's way too good for Emma. Yeah. Who's your favourite character?
0: It's a it's a close one. I've already talked about Mr. Woodhouse. Love yes, him. He's love so him. quirky. Has to be Mr. Knightley because he yep. is so... He is holding Emma accountable at every single turn. Like, he's like, that's bullshit. And she's yeah. like, fuck.
1: <laughs> that is what I do love about Mr. Knightley. He's kind of like... It's kind of awkward to s- use this comparison since they got married at the end, but like an older brother. But like,
0: well, that way well, he's a blo- much, he's a brother-in-law, but like
1: a much older brother. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Well,
0: and there is an age gap. There
1: is definitely an age gap, and he's got this sense of maturity. And he he goes like, "Emma, you stupid bitch! Why are you saying that?"
0: And Emma's Shut like, up. "I don't know." Yeah, she goes like, "He's they're good for each other. They no? are good for like each other." He's such he's so straight and narrow that like he needs a little crazy from Emma, but also he's gonna like. He's the, he's the one that really believes... Everybody believes that Emma's a good person in this town, but not everybody believes that she's actually a bad person at the moment. Yeah. Like, he is like, objectively, you're not very nice, but you have the capacity to be nice and to be kind and to be wonderful. Yeah. But he's not going to just let her be a spoiled brat.
1: Exactly. And that's why and we that's why why I love, love him. him. Okay. Okay. Um, So, do you have
0: anything else to say about Emma? No, I think that's all my thoughts.
1: Cool. Um, So, we are now going to hear from our sponsor, University Bookshop. Uh, So, we're going to cut to that where we're going to learn about the book that we're doing a giveaway for this week. So, we're back with Anna from UBS uh, to reveal the book that is part of our giveaway for today's episode. So, Anna, what book is UBS giving away?
2: Kia ora, you two. So today we're giving away Slow Fire Burning. Now, um, this is by Paula Hawkins, and she wrote The Girl on the Train. Mm-hmm. Now, you might have seen the movie. It starred Emily Blunt. Yeah, yes. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. So book is really well known, um, as is the movie. And so this is her latest one out, um, also classified as a psychological thriller. Um, it's about revenge. So there are good people in the book. Um, but they're capable of terrible deeds, but you don't know quite what's happening. And each page you turn over, you discover a little bit more um, until a bit of a reveal at the end. Um, it's it's a wonderful look at, at humans too. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some heavy stuff uh, that goes on, on in the book, but a, a wonderful read Sounds at the same exciting. time. Yeah. Sounds
1: really good. I really enjoyed uh, Girl on the Train when I read it. Oh no. It was, it's that is such a good summer read. Don't you think? Yes. Like it's, it's a sit consume in one day yeah. sort oh, of thing. You sit in the sun. Yeah, and yep. yeah, I feel like
0: you can really get lost in those books.
1: Yeah, which I completely think is really cool. So it sounds like a great book if you're kind of hitting uh, a reading slump and you yes. need you need a book to really to yank
0: j- you out of it. Yank
1: you out of it, electrify your reading passion again. So um Yeah, sounds like a really good book. And if that is something that you'd be interested in reading, uh, you can head over to our Instagram at required reading and go into the drawer to win that book. Welcome back. Uh, Next up, we're going to go down a little bit of a Reddit rabbit hole. I love it.
0: It's my favorite part of the show, mostly just because I get to just go around on Reddit and see what people are doing.
1: Yeah, dive in.
0: So this one is a BuzzFeed title. Yeah. So somebody mocked up this, like, to set the scene. Mocked up all of these BuzzFeed titles as if they were real. Yeah. In a way that I was like, oh, they really put these on BuzzFeed. They did not.
1: Okay, this And is I'm fact. just going gotcha. to give you my
0: favorite title from the three titles that they put up there. Yeah. Scolding is the new flirting. The secret of Mr. Knightley's sex appeal. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking same.
1: They're honestly not wrong.
0: And, like, if that was a real article, I would be reading it, you know?
1: And it would probably be good.
0: Um, this one is from... Jane Austen GIFs. Uh, I found this one on Tumblr actually. It says, this was at the start of their page. It says, please do not repost nor use in GIF hunts nor edit any of my GIFs. If you would like to use them, please ask me first. This is not a spoiler free page.
1: What is a GIF hunt?
0: I don't know. I assume it's like a. I don't I don't know. <laughs>
1: Why do you need to go Maybe hunting like a, for a, a treasure
0: hunt? You have to kind of jump between gifs. but the internet is so vast. So
1: that is the next part. of the Caribbean movie. <laughs> They're going on a gift hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean '86 Gif hunt hunter. through the
0: Emma Jane Austen gif hunt.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good gift hunting, starring. <laughs>
0: yeah, like we're Matt going David. on a gift hunt. Yeah, okay.
1: And we're not scared. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's me clapping for that because I really enjoyed it. This one, um, I like to always sprinkle a fan fiction uh, in here because I think it's hilarious. Always. So this was the title, and then I'll read. I've I've redacted quite a lot of the bio of the fan fiction because it was almost the entire fan fiction. Fan fiction trope mashup, coffee shop AU plus detective AU, Emma Woodhouse and Mr. Knightley. Emma Woodhouse is the store manager of Woodhouse Coffee. She is efficient and super competent leaving her with lots of time for fascinating about her regulars and setting them up together. She notices everything. Everything was in capitals, okay? Yeah. Theology student Alton, studying on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and pretty Harriet, the kindergarten teacher. Emma thinks Alton and Harriet would be perfed together because, in capitals, she can just tell. So true. Okay. Then there's Detective Knightley. You never think that a childhood friend is going to grow up to be a detective, but there you go. Um, and then it goes on to talk about how there's such a lot of sexual tension between them. Um, and, yeah, they fall in love at the end, I think, because because he comes in every day with his cases because he's a detective on murders. Do you want to read it?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> do
0: Me neither. Doesn't
1: sound super interesting.
0: Um, and now this one I'm just going to read out four titles. Um, yeah. It's a bit of found poetry, if you will.
1: Yeah. Um, it's best to be consumed together. Yeah, so like a haiku
0: I'm just gonna take a deep breath because it's yes. a bit of a performance art piece if you will thank you bees 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 reviews of Nui Cobalt, Be- Cobalt Bees Myers Briggs and Austin protagonists who's afraid of Jane Austen? <laughs> naming children after Austin characters
2: <laughs> that was so beautiful Amy thank
0: you um, and I want to end the Reddit rabbit hole f- with my favourite always like to end with a, a good one you know yeah Quit while you're ahead, if you will. Brazilian Jane Austen telenovela vela, Oh my god! I've got to do it again. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Brazilian Jane Austen telenovela adaptation coming. Fuck it up. Can't wait. That was three years ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have done a little googling. Um, Is it out? No, it doesn't exist. Okay.
1: It only got eight upvotes, so people weren't that super hyped about it. All right, we need to talk about
0: the movie.
1: The movie. We need yeah. to talk about the movie. This is the Autumn de Wild movie,
0: the twenty twenty.
1: Can I also say what, what a gorgeous name. name? Yeah. I I would literally I don't know what I, I You'd don't know kill what for I was that gonna name. Say. Yeah, I I don't want to say that anymore though.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's that good.
1: But I would do something.
0: But would you steal her identity?
1: Yes. Autumn de wild. That's such a
0: good name. Such
1: a good name. So yeah, Autumn de wild, She directed. She's de wild. The. <laughs> she directed the 2020
0: mm-hmm.
1: Emma film, starring Anya Taylor Joy. What a queen. The star we love her. Of the Queen's Gambit. Yes, yep. God.
0: She okay. makes everything sexy.
1: Sexy and slightly, like, weird, yeah. you know? <laughs> like,
0: I'd like to equal tell the listeners that when you said weird, you did do a shimmy with your entire <laughs> I body. I sure did. And I we did are a shimmy doing it, and it again now.
1: <laughs> Yeah, and I just have to say, I just have to say, mm-hmm. the costumes uh, and the aesthetic of the film...
0: Every single scene... Has the most beautiful composition and colour scheme. Everything is thought out to perfection per- and placed to perfection. perfectly. And um, just so we love to see a girl boss slate, you know? And it's so like, and the other- it's so
1: over the top and yeah. clean and it's not like gritty realistic, also, Emma. It's gorgeous. Not-
0: well, no, but the costumes are realist- realistic.
1: Whoa, Real-
0: are they? Those colours? Yeah. Use colors? yeah.
1: Yeah, Ugh. I watched an,
0: an hour-long video yesterday on it. I
1: have zero <laughs> doubt that they, you they did They compared scene
0: by scene, and she has a small enough wardrobe where she, she adapts things in all of her costumes that it is actually what a rich person like her would have as a wardrobe.
1: Ugh. We
0: love to see it.
1: DeWild thought of everything.
0: She was DeWilde. Okay. <laughs> what what <laughs> it, It's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is that, you know Phoebe Waller-Bridge? I do. Queen of Fleabag, if you will. Yeah,
1: one of my good friends. I don't friends. know if you know
0: this. You what? know the music in the, in, the, in the movie? Yeah. How it's those funny folk songs. Yes. Well, first of all, um, Jane Austen collected all of those. The soundtrack is, is from her personal collection.
1: Yes, I did know that.
0: But all of the music was done by Isabel Wallerbridge, Phoebe Wallerbridge's sister and roommate. What? They live together.
1: Roommate? They yeah. share a room?
0: No. Well, yeah. Colloquially, like you know, a, <laughs> a flatmate, if you will. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: Okay, American. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I thought I said that as an We're insult.
0: So, <laughs> I'm so cut deeply by that. Anyway, the moral of the story is the Walla Bridges slay it all, um, and they deserve they the, the best entire of the human race. World. Seriously. She also did the music in Fleabag, season <sighs> two. That's why the Fleabag season two soundtrack is lit, if you will. Seriously. Okay, the other thing I want to talk about is Johnny Flynn is so hot,
1: so hot, so sexy.
0: Johnny Flynn is, is Mr. Knightley, and he's just delicious. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's and he he wrote an original song for the movie. He's actually first and foremost a singer songwriter. I you didn't were.
1: know that. <laughs> I also like that he is age appropriate. I, yep. and by age appropriate, I mean. That's not that's the wrong term. He is the <laughs> correct age for Mr. Knightley. Yeah. You know, they didn't they didn't de-age him. They didn't make him like the exact same age as Emma. There's still that slight difference in age.
0: He's also not like he's not conventionally hot. You
1: no. know what I
0: mean? I find him incredibly sexy, Sexiest man, one of my sexiest men, you know?
1: Yeah. He's kind of like he's kind of like Brad Pitt in that like what? very <laughs> unconventionally attractive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god.
2: <laughs>
1: I need to say something else. Yeah. Nobody else is allowed to play Mr. Woodhouse. Ever again. Except for Bill Nye. All right?
0: Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Bill Nye, Bill the science guy. That's the science man. It's Na- not Bill Nye.
1: It's not Bill Nye. It's Bill Nye. Nye.
0: Did you know that Bill Nye was like, he did, what was that show with the Meerk- Meerkat Manor? What? Did you watch that? No, <laughs> I that it was an Australian thing. It was like it was literally like Love Island, if you will,
1: but with meerkats.
0: But with meerkats and the person instead of, I think the Love Island man is called Ian Sterling? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, sorry to this I have man, no I idea. don't know him. Um, but Bill Nighy essentially like narrates this entire meerkat life and you get to see them have children and some of them get um, like kicked out of the manor. Well, it's not a manor, it's their whole... They're, they're actually just real their meerkats. It's, it's, it's very not scripted, apart from the, <laughs> what Bill Nighy is saying. <laughs> so moral of the story is, if you want to read Emma, don't. Watch Meerkat Manor instead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will say, as a testament to the beauty of this film... Was mm-hmm. only released what last year. Yeah, my friend Sophia uh, believes that she has watched it upward of thirty times.
0: And you know what?
1: That's sorry more... to
0: my mother. She's watched it at least forty, and oh. I've watched it probably thirty times with her. I know it completely off by heart. Have you really? Yeah, I have it on my iPad. I watch it when I feel sad. That's what Sophia does and too. And this Taylor in the house is very different to a Mrs. Weston three kilometres away or something like that. Very true. You know?
1: True words haven't been said.
0: I'm embarrassed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to stop talking about Emma now. Yep. We need to stop, stop, it's we need done. stop. We're finished.
0: Thank you and okay, goodbye. That but is, we have more podcasts. We
1: do have more podcasts because we've got another book that we need to talk about. And we're going to run through this one fairly quickly. Yeah. And this is Northanger Abbey. <laughs> why I don't know I don't know why that happened okay we're talking about Northanger Abbey mm-hmm. so Northanger Abbey is split into two volumes and they yeah. feel like almost completely different novels just with the same characters so we've got book one we open with our protagonist Catherine moving mm-hmm. to Bath and she is like super excited about it while she's there she's introduced Henry Tilney, Mm -hmm. who thinks he really likes Muslims and she thinks he is really cool and sexy. Mm -hmm. She's like, damn, if this is what the city has to offer, I love it Mm -hmm. here. But while she's there, she also meets Isabella Thorpe. Mm -hmm. And Isabella Thorpe is a young socialite. She loves gossip. She loves drama. Mm -hmm. She's kind of like, she's kind of like, who's the
0: Serena Vanderwoodson.
1: Yes, literally, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're losing it in the studio um, today. And back to you, Charlie Robinson. Thank
1: you. But I would, I would, I, I would say that's a very good comparison. Book one of Northanger Abbey is very gossip, gossip girl. girl. You're yeah, so right. I've never watched it, but I just feel like it would be.
0: And if book two was another girl book, it would be Gone Girl. <laughs>
1: I completely disagree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You literally wrote here that it's murder.
1: We'll get to that.
0: (laughs) The other thing about Isabella is she has this crusty, dusty brother.
1: Ooh. And he is
0: categorically the worst. And everyone hates him. It's like Catherine's in love with me because I'm amazing. He's just not amazing. And he's really gross. And he kind of kidnaps her.
1: Yeah. And it's because, like, okay, so. The girls, they're keying, they're hanging out <laughs> they're in bar. They are okay. going to balls, they're living their true life. Mm-hmm. Both of their brothers come. Mm-hmm. We've got James, I can't remember his last name. James, Catherine's brother, mm-hmm. and John, Isabella's brother.
0: And they think, let's do a swapsy doozy. Yes, you know?
1: And Isabella goes, James, you're mine. Yeah. We are going to start flirting. Yeah. And John goes to Catherine, you're mine. And Catherine goes, ooh, I no, yeah. I don't want it. And he kind of
0: goes,
1: and he goes, I'm going to double down then. And I'm going to. And it, it gets weird and creepy. Catherine's okay.
0: She's fine. She's, Everybody, she, don't get too stressed. I know she, you're feeling scared. Squared. She is
1: absolutely fine. But they sort of like have this grasp on Catherine. And mm-hmm. Catherine's like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything anymore. Why yep. Why are you sort of restricting my movements? Yep. And so she starts to develop a friendship with Henry Tilney's sister, Eleanor. Mm-hmm. But every time Catherine tries to hang out with Eleanor and Henry... Isabella and the brothers come along and they interrupt her and they mm-hmm. whisk her away in a carriage or whatever it is. And eventually, Isabella and James get engaged. Mm. Big, big plot movements happening right here on this day. Book two. That, that's the end of book one. Very drama filled, yeah. very sort of classic Austin. We go to book two. Starts with the arrival of the older Tilney brother, Frederick.
0: stop frederick
1: no frederick frederick and isabella starts flirting with him after realising james isn't rich james isn't rich
0: she is a gold digger
1: she is a gold digger and this
0: she ain't nothing but a gold digger if you will
1: and we start realising well we've kind of already realised but isabella she just ain't it
0: she ain't it
1: she ain't it girl and Catherine goes, I'm done. I'm done with this life. Mm -hmm. I'm done with this city. Mm -hmm. And accepts an invitation to go stay at the Tilney home called a Northanger Abbey. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. So here we go. So this is like over halfway through the book and we finally are going to Northanger Abbey.
0: Hell yeah.
1: Anyway, she is super fucking pumped. Catherine is like, fuck yeah, because she loves gothic novels. So the
0: entire book is kind of interspersed with like Catherine having these crazy kind of sex dreams. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are though about like she's reading all these gothic novels and she finds it all very kind of exciting and thrilling and sexy and um now she is going to Northanger Abbey which which and everybody that she tells that she's going is like oh, don't go there something terrible happened there yeah and, also, and she's like ah sign me up
1: and also another another feminist iconic moment from Jane Austen is. She keeps going. She keeps going. I love gothic novels, mm-hmm. and then all the men are like, "Um, no, those are that's so for men." Gross.
0: Ooh, yucky! And
1: she goes, "Shut up! I like them." Yeah. Piss off. Yeah. And then she, I remember, not very distinctly, but I remember that she proved them wrong about certain facts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd just like to ask you one follow-up question.
2: Yeah.
0: Are you studying law? <laughs>
1: Shut up. No, I do English slut. Anyway. They um, they
0: proved her wrong with some facts.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You don't know the rules of law. That might have (laughs) worked. Okay, anyway. So she is pumped. She's like mm-hmm. this is fucking it. I'm going to a classic gothic abbey. There Hell will year. be
0: monsters, there'll be ghosts. Okay. Yeah,
1: monster bosses. And she gets there and she goes this sucks. This is boring. <gasps> Nothing cold, is happening. It's cold. It's cold and boring dark, and it's huge. I'm and never
0: around.
1: Yeah. So she's like this is just not what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so she goes, you know what? I'm going to make it more interesting. So she
0: And so the other thing before you say this is yeah. that when they arrive, Mr. Tony is kind of like like Catherine's kind of like oh, will I meet your mother? And he's like, no, she died. It's my father's fault. Like oh, something like that. That's kind of vague. So she gets this kind of like I don't know vague comment. It's it's very like um teen angst from Henry. Yeah, he's very like fuck my dad. I hate him. Yeah, 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 and yeah, anyway, it's very continue. that.
1: And this also is kind of all part of. Her daydreaming about gothic novels and having read a lot. And she's finally in a place where a gothic novel would be set. And mm-hmm. so she's like, I'm going to create a mystery. So she goes, General Tilney, Henry's and Eleanor's father, killed his wife.
0: Yep. And then dead.
1: there's like these two weird chapters, like two thirds of the way through the book where it's, like, a weird murder mystery, mm-hmm. and Catherine is, like, scared of gen- of the general, and he's, and like, she's worried chasing she's her going to die. She's worried that she's going to be next, and it's just, like, it's it's honestly pretty good and exciting, but it's also mm-hmm. really weird and comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but that's why we love this book. Anyway, that, that kind of is all over, yeah. and the general's like, I didn't kill my wife, you stupid bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, ah. Okay. (laughs) I'll ignore it then. And she just kind of (laughs) continues. Yeah. Just staying there. Yeah. And so she gets a letter from her brother. And her brother says, my engagement with Isabella is off. She's cancelled. And she then gets a letter from Isabella saying that Frédéric rejected her. And she asks Catherine to apologise to James on behalf of Isabella, which makes her mad as hell. She's like, I'm not here to be used by you, Isabella. I'm over your bullshit. Yep. I'm over the she drama. She really had a
0: moment where she said, toxic friends, cut off.
1: She said, shut up. She said, I hate the Thorpe. None of you. None of you.
0: I hate the Thorpe of it all. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> all
1: right. And then one day, both the general and Henry leave for a few days. But... The general returns unexpectedly early, and commands that Catherine has to leave. Yeah,
0: with which, no n- no explanation. No explanation. And it is embarrassing.
1: Yeah, it's very embarrassing, and it's like seven p.m. at night. Made that time up, but
0: it's dark out. It's, it's okay. dark out,
1: and he goes, "You, the carriage will be a." awaiting you at 6am tomorrow morning and you'll be yep. getting on that carriage and you'll be driving home. And she's like, what the, what the hell? This and is weird. And she's like
0: so upset because she's like leaving Henry who she's kind of like got a crush on and like yeah. Eleanor who she really, really likes and she's actually a really nice sister. you know. Like
1: and She's actually having a good time. And like, she's
0: like, what did I do wrong? And, and she kind of is like, maybe it's because I like thought he was a murderer. Like, oh.
1: Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but funnily enough, that wasn't the reason.
1: <laughs> no, it was not the reason. So she gets home. And she's, like, back to her real home. So she's gone on this massive adventure. She went to Bath, Mm -hmm. she went to Northanger Abbey, and now she's home. Yeah. And she's in this sort of state of shock until Henry rocks up and proposes to her. And she's like, the fuck? Mm -hmm. I was just kicked out of your home. Why are you here? And it's revealed that the general had sent her away because he thought she was poor in order to make a wealthy match for his son. I mean, there's a lot of other things that go on. Well,
0: no, so, so the general was told by John Thorpe, by John Thorpe so the, evil, and dusty, the evil
1: brother, he
0: is like, because he is just a big liar. He's like, yeah, Catherine's kind of in love with me and she's super rich and I'm going to get all her wealth. But so the general hears this and is like, oh, Henry, you should totally be friends with her invited in Northanger Abbey so, like, we can have the money. But then he goes away. And then he finds out that that's all a lie because John Thorpe's so crusty and dusty. And so he that's when he sends Catherine away.
1: Exactly. And then eventually the general goes, oh, they're not super poor. Yeah. You can marry her.
0: <laughs> but you are not... Getting any of my money? No. And he becomes a clergyman.
1: And they live happily ever after. after.
0: And I want to oh, say that was a roller coaster
1: <laughs> because this book is a roller coaster, and it's also teeny tiny. This skinny, is your starter, Austin. This, so this is where we're getting to that bit. This is the Austin you want to start with. It is really yep. short. This, it's so it's quirky YA. and random. It's, it's quick. It's the young adult of of the Austin world. You know, it really is. It's such a good place to start, and there's so many different aspects of Austin's other novels within mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And you can kinda of pick and choose which bits you like. Yeah. Like if you like the really kind of weird bits
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would say go to Emma. Yeah. If you like the more grand romance, you go to basically all of her other ones. <laughs> but it's just like and also you you'll just realise if you like her writing mm-hmm. style if you like the way that she envisions characters and also name name more hateable characters than the Thorpes
0: I fucking hate the I fucking
1: hate the Isabella is and the John Thorpe the
0: Thorpe hate club okay okay um follow us on required reading to join the yes. hate club um yeah what was I gonna say I was gonna say something I don't know tell me tell me tell me tell we were me. talking about <gasps> no, no, Northanger no. Abbey I remember fake <laughs> <Like. laughs> Jane Austen as a narrator, total bitch, and I love it in this yeah. book. she's like, look at these silly people; they're so silly to the point at which Mum was like, when she when she read it again when I was reading it, because she was like, oh, let's do it together, and I was like, yay, love That's you, Mum, miss you. Anyway, and um, she was Mum was like, I can't read this anymore. She's such a bitch to these people, and I'm like, I love it.
1: But these people are also just bitches.
0: They really do be bitches. Like bitches every like single
1: it. upper class person that she meets. It's kind of just a dick and an yeah. asshole in bath. Like the quite, entire society is shown as toxic.
0: To quote you from um, Wuthering Heights, quite frankly, dickish behaviour. So true. Right, and on that, moving on.
1: Moving on. Okay, so one of the most important things that we haven't really talked about, mm-hmm. which applies to both Austen novels, yeah, that we'd and be Austen in general,
0: not to talk about
1: seriously
0: and i think i would um, not be allowed to finish my english degree if i didn't bring this up
1: exactly so and i'm
0: going to have to condense some academic theories right now
1: yeah okay. let's let's um we'll we'll, we'll try to tell it in a nice way to the to the dummos <laughs> out there <laughs> By dummos i'm referring to myself cuz i don't really yeah. understand I mean, this I stuff yeah i'm going to explain
0: it charlie doesn't so get it so explain
1: it to me and then i'll ask questions so S- it's, this is the invention of free indirect yeah. discourse so what's that
0: so It's not really the invention, but it was – so free and direct discourse is – so we understand perspective, right? This first person, which is I, you know, I did this. Yep, yep, yep. Then I did this. I thought this. Then we have second person, which is you did this. Nobody really uses second person because it's really hard to use. And then there's third person, which is like Charlie and Amy made a podcast and it took them forever to record it. And they've gone a little insane. Anyway (laughs) (laughs) – So that's third person, right? Yeah. And third person is really good for like plot because you can you can be removed from people and you can see from the outside. Whereas when you're doing first person, you can only like talk about things that the person the narrator has has experienced. Yeah. So free and direct discourse is like an offshoot of third person where it's third pers- person, but it seamlessly slips into the character's consciousness and thoughts Mm. while still being third person. And so it would be like Charlie and Amy are recording a podcast. Charlie is thinking, I'm really hungry and I'm a little bit cold. And and then it would be like, Amy thought that blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And now when I'm explaining it to you, it doesn't sound that crazy or that revolutionary. Revolutionary. But at the time it was, because they were really only writing novels that were first person, like Bothering Heights was always first, like a first person recounting and mm-hmm. they got around to the kind of like uh, strict guidelines of first person by having all of those nested characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so everything was kind of first person or third person, mm-hmm. but ju- Miss Austen, a queen was like, I'm going to mash these together. I'm going to make it better. And so she was. She is kind of still held as the person that really – she didn't invent it. People had done it before, but she was like – and especially with Emma. Emma is like key to this free and direct discourse thing. And like that was the thing that brought it back into like – not even back – brought it into the sphere of like writing. Yeah. And so like a good – a really good example of free and direct discourse would be normal people, which we did an episode on last season. If you want to check it out yeah. <laughs> so shameless self plug on our own podcast it's just, it's not that sh- <laughs> it's not we don't shameless. have to be shameless <laughs> so that we have marianne and connell we don't hear their thoughts as an i did this i did that i did that but we know what they think mm-hmm. and we and we kind of switch between them you know yeah and so that's free and direct discourse did that make sense <laughs>
1: Yes, thank you so much. Um, so this has been the conclusion of our TED Talk. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! No,
1: it was actually very good. Very good um, okay. condensed discussion on free and direct discourse. Thank yeah. you. Um, do you have anything else to say about Northanger Abbey?
0: Just that I love it and that it's the best. But, bef- like, I would be really upset if I didn't say my piece on Austen because I love Austen so much. I think she's a queen. But I hate her. F- one of her books. I hate Mansfield Park. It's not for me. Um
1: how far did you far get, get, you get through it
0: again? I haven't started. <laughs> I don't know. The title gives me bad vibes. And I watched that movie once and I didn't like it.
1: It is quite telling that the only one you don't like is the only one you haven't read.
0: Uh, I'll not be making a comment at this time. Please <laughs> respect me and my family's privacy.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. So <sighs> I feel like it's time to judge a book.
0: By its cover? And now for the part of the show where Charlie and Amy literally judge a book. By its
1: cover. So, this is Judge a Book by Its Cover, where we judge a book by its cover. And this week we've got.
0: <gasps> oh my god! I, th- I thought you were about to die.
1: Sorry, I thought I needed the snakes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh lord. Lordy. <laughs> Lordy, Lordy, Lordy. Oh,
1: spaghetti o And this week we've got The Secret Midwife. By.
0: Seems to be a no secret one. as well. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: there seems to be no author name on it, but there is a little, um, a little subtitle. S- subtitle that says Life, Death, and the Truth About Birth.
0: So, I'm going to set up the cover for you guys at home because obviously you can't see it. Um, there's kind of, it's kind of blue. There's kind of a hospital scene in the background, but they've obviously done some kind of motion blur on it. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Gaussian blur. I'm not sure. Uh, artists will comment on, on the Instagram, if you will.
1: They've done something.
0: Well, they're in motion, you see. It's, yeah. it's that high, high velocity. I was going to say viscosity. High viscosity midwife life, you know? And then in the foreground, uh, there's a a woman in scrubs with her back turned. A photo. A photo, if you will, and um, that is where it says the secret midwife. And well, it's a secret that who wrote it. It's it also seems a secret who it is in the photo because we don't know. Yeah. Um, and then there's a. A little circle. It's one of those fake stickers. You know when there's the books and then they have the fake Ew, stickers on them.
1: Is that not real?
0: No, it's it, it's it's a fa- it's a fake sticker. It's part of it.
1: And it says for fans of one born every minute.
0: I watched it on YouTube sometimes. It's quite funny. It is quite, it's quite funny. Good. It's quite moving. It's
1: quite it's quite self explanatory though. And then, about a mid midwife.
0: Yeah, and then the back just has some here. There is one thing that never changes. I am the mother's advocate. I am there to ensure her needs and wishes are heard and that she feels informed and in control of what's happening to her. After all, this is her body, her birth, her child. I am the mother's voice, even when she is in too much pain to speak. That sounds quite moving.
1: Per. Love that.
0: Um, so we did find this at our house. Yeah. Um, our flatmate Monique, <laughs> who is one of our biggest fans. Love you, Monique. You're right, Monique. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nah, love you, boo. Um- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't like that energy. Monsqueak, love you, girly. Um, and she gave us this so we could use it for today. I have so many questions.
1: I believe she had negative things to say
0: I also believe she had negative things to say
1: but let's talk about what we think we're not talking about the contents of the book
0: because we're only judging it by its cover cover, and we're not judging it by what somebody else thinks of it because again by 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 its cover and what I see when I look at its cover is I go I have so many questions what is the secret yeah is it secret that she is a midwife is it a Hannah Montana situation where she is a midwife right okay and then oh, all of a sudden she has to go and be Miley Cyrus Wait, so so you're off.
1: so you're talking a midwife with a secret?
0: No, I'm saying that it's it's a secret that she is a midwife.
1: But what if that she's okay. an
0: she's an everyday you know kind of everyday Joe, if you will, and in her spare time she transforms herself into a midwife.
1: Or what if? Or what if? Like, like there's only we're at a hospital. Mm-hmm. We're out. We're out in the country. A woman is giving birth, and one of the nurses says, "Why don't we go get the midwife?" Immediately, the doctor goes, "Shh." You're not supposed to be <laughs> You're
0: not That's supposed a secret. to know.
1: <laughs> How do you know about the secret midwife?
0: I also think maybe she's a normal midwife, but with a big speak secret. Maybe she's maybe she's a spy as well. Who for? Who knows?
1: You love the midwife with a secret. <laughs>
0: well, it's called the secret midwife. But that doesn't make sense. But it's secret that she's a midwife, or is it? <laughs> Who knows?
1: Life, death, and the truth about birth. I just like. I just. I don't know. I don't like that. It's. I don't like it. I don't <laughs> like. I don't like photos.
0: We have talked We've about just this discussed before. This.
1: Especially people, but I'm it's like, different if it's nonfiction.
0: Obviously, I'm engaged by the title. I'm engaged. What is the secret? What will I find out? Yeah. I'm not engaged by the typography. I hate it. I think it's terrible. Look at it. It's so skinny, but also fat at the same time.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: But also, it's just kind of too smooth, but also too rough. You know what I mean?
1: I don't like the fake sticker either.
0: What are you giving it out of 17 secret midwives? Out of 17 midwives, how many of them are secret?
1: Is the secret good or bad?
0: And the secret's neutral. You don't know what it is. So you're just choosing... <laughs>
1: What? <laughs> then I guess, so, okay. if you I would were rating say,
0: it from um, a secret midwife to a not-secret midwife and you had 17, how many secret midwives would it be?
1: I would say, I would deem it eight neutral secret midwives out of 17 midwives.
0: Yeah, that tracks. How many
1: <laughs> would you give it?
0: I'd give it uh, 10. Okay. Because I do have so many secret questions. Uh secret to you. Oh, no, I've already told them. Shh. <laughs>
1: Guys, we can re-record. Sh-
0: sh- sh- <laughs> don't tell anyone about what I said. Maybe the secrets are because that's a secret between you and me. Okay. And thanks for tuning in today.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh thanks, guys. Next week we're going to be talking about possibly the best book that I have read in the past three to five to my whole life years. Unequivocally,
0: what? my <laughs> oh my god, three to five. <laughs> We
1: are talking about Owe by yep. Becky Manawatu, Aotearoa's, well finest author, yeah, I, think, at this, I think, at this time, at yep. this moment in time.
0: Forever, uh, always.
1: <laughs> we'll always be the best. Um, once again, thank you so much to University Bookshop for sponsoring this episode. If you'd like to go check them out, okay. you can head to www.unibooks.co.nz or you can go to them in person on Great King Street. Just close to uni. Uh, so, yeah, once again, thank you so much, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.
0: Yeah, now, Steve, that was Radio 191 FM podcast. You can
2: find more of them at r1.co.nz forward slash podcast.